study. Glad you're here. There was. It was great to hear. Good to see everybody tonight. You are welcome. And uh, we're going to take some time to pray. And then we'll look into the Bible. So let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, this opportunity to meet, gather in the name of Jesus. We welcome you. Jesus right here into our midst. We ask that you would empower us tonight. Uh, We need your anointing. Uh, we need you to teach us tonight. We need the Holy Spirit to illumine and to bring meaning and understanding. I pray, God, that we would be open and ready to receive what you want to say and do in our lives. I ask you, God, that you would challenge some of the ways that maybe we're seeing things and understanding things. And I pray for something new. I pray for something fresh to happen in our heart, our mind, our spirit tonight. As you be glorified during this time, for asking in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, uh, need to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter one. If you need a Bible, it should be available on the table, or uh, you can get into an electronic version. John chapter one. Reminder. Uh, for our podcast listeners, that we have an interactive feature with Bible study, and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com. That's S P E A K P I P E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You go there to that webpage, and there's a button that you can toggle, and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail. And we'd love to hear from you. Could be just saying hi. Or maybe you have a question about Bible study, or maybe you have a comment, or you just want to tell us where you're from. But we'd love to hear from you. could be something good God's doing in your life. So drop us a line, uh, leave us a message, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. I need a volunteer willing to read verse 51 of John chapter 1. All right, thanks. Thanks for reading that. That's kind of exciting. And uh, as I read this, it's kind of interesting because I was reading through this and uh, a couple of things stood out to me right away. Uh, and I put it in the notes for this as I was going through. And uh, some things I had in the notes, here's some truth. And it's a double. You know, you see in the Gospel of John, you see this every now and then, verily, verily. Yeah, truly, truly. Or or you could say, amen, amen. Okay, it's the double. So you get the double in the Gospel of John, which means really a lot, okay? It's like, it's like double, double good, double deeper. Deeper double truth is like what it's saying. And so when, when he, he, he prefaces something like this, when Jesus does, it's like, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, that means it's, it's really something to pay attention to. And that's the idea behind it, is that it, it draws attention to what he's about to say. And, uh, and so it's a deeper truth. And so they understood that. And the readers of John, uh, the Gospel of John, understood that in the early church, that this isn't something that's normally used in language. I mean, kind of like we don't say that. We might say very truly, or we might say extra truly, or ultimately truly, or something. You know, we'd, we'd have some kind of a way to say it. We don't normally repeat ourselves like that. And so, in this particular part of the way this is written, in, in the language it's written in, they don't actually do that most of the time. And so, this would be something they would take note of. 
this would be something that they would actually look at and say, well, this is probably important, whatever comes after this. And so I think I will pay attention to that. It's kind of like the word therefore when you read that in the Bible. If you read the word therefore, that means you got to read what came before it. All right. And that's a little hint as you're reading that something just happened or just, something was just said. And so the next part of what you're reading is going to be based on that. So you really need to know what was just said if you hear if you read it therefore. So a, a truly, truly is kind of like that because whatever comes after it, you need to pay attention to. It's something important. And it, it occurs, uh, I don't remember how many times it occurs, I think uh, 30 times maybe, and in the Gospel of John, which is kind of a lot, I guess, but he said a lot of important things in the Gospel of John. So uh, every time it pops up, you want to think to yourself, I should probably pay attention right now and, and really take note of what, what he says. Now, what he says after this, after he says, verily, verily, I want you to really take note of because it's kind of interesting. I don't know if he didn't say verily, verily in front of it that you really take any note of it at all. Uh, and I don't know most people even after the verily, verily, or truly, truly take any note of it at all. And yet, if it has that before it, then it's something that Jesus considered to be important, that John considered to be important as he was listening to Jesus' teaching, that the early church would consider to be important. So maybe it'd be a good idea if we think about it as being important also, because I don't have a better idea than Jesus does. I don't have any greater priorities than Jesus has. I don't think I understand Jesus anywhere near as well as John uh, the writer of this gospel understood him. I mean, he's the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and he would lay his head on, on the chest of Jesus and recline, and, and he's close. They're close. So I don't, I'm not that close. And, and so this is something he thought was important, so I want to pay attention, and I want to see what he has to say. So as he is, as you read that, Section. Somebody read that verse again. Julie, can you read that verse again? Very truly, he then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. All right. So it's starting right now. In other words, that from henceforth. And some of your Bibles have the word henceforth in it. Uh, that's that's old. That's English. Okay, that's that's English. <laughs> We speak English, but we speak kind of a condensed version of English compared to the people who've come before us. And so a word like henceforth is something that, well, what does that mean? Well, that means that from this time forward, starting right now. And so Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, okay, so starting right now and from henceforth, in other words, from this time forward, this is what's going to happen. And you can read there what he said. And he wanted to make sure his disciples understood that, that this wasn't just a one-time event. Do you get that? That's why he said from henceforth. In other words, this is right now, but this is just something you need to look for in the days, the weeks, the months ahead, the years ahead. From this time forward, this is the way things are going to be. This is how it's going to happen. This is the new reality. This is the new thing that you need to begin to understand about what's going on around you spiritually physically what's happening this is something that jesus was saying in john chapter one this is the way this is the new reality this is the way things are going to be and then he describes what that new reality is and he makes a statement he says you will all see all of you and he was speaking to more than one disciple here there was a group that had gathered around, and Nathaniel was there, and he was specifically speaking to Nathaniel, but he was also speaking to the other disciples. That's why he included it, says, you will all see. In other words, this wasn't exclusive for just one person. This wasn't just something that he said, okay, Nathaniel, because I'm talking to you, you're going to be the one that sees this. And he just looked at them all. He said, you're all going to see this. You're all going to experience this. This is something that's going to be part of your normal lives from this moment forward. And how do you preface it by saying, truly, truly? In other words, you can count on this. You know this is true. You know this is important. You know this is something that I want you to know. That's what Jesus is saying. Through saying that, 
And part of what he wanted them to know was that this is the new norm and that they're all included in it. And so as you're sitting here tonight, I want you to include yourself. At least try. At least try to include yourself in this. And in the, in the sense that this is what's being offered. This is what the truly, truly is about. This is why this is important because it affects not just one person or it affects not just a few people, but this is the new normal that Jesus was saying was going to be a part of life in him. And it would affect everybody that would have life in him. That's why it's so important. It's not just a unique event. It's not just a one-time event, but it's something that he wanted his followers, wanted his disciples to begin to understand and to integrate into their expectations. Now, interestingly, I was just talking to Martha about this before we started tonight. Uh, It's nice having a baby around. Thank you. Because... (laughs) Because babies don't know enough not to see things. Right? They haven't been taught yet what's real and what's not real. And they just see what they see. And, and so if you ever wonder, and animals are like that too in some ways, where they, they see things. We live in a spiritual reality. We live in a, a reality that coexists in a spiritual and physical realm. That, those are the facts. And so what happens is, and, and I'm not just saying that because I believe it, most of the world believes what I just said. A great part of the world. South America, Asia, Africa, most of the world believes what I just said. And they live that way. It's not just me saying that. You know, if you happen to come from Western Europe or you happen to come from the United States or Canada... We don't necessarily believe that. And yet most of the world does. And they live in that reality and they have an understanding of that reality. When I was growing up, when I was a little kid, I saw things. And I was you know, a little, little kid. I grew up in a household, a spiritual household, where my grandfather had was pastoring a church and he had every expectation that Jesus was going to show up. And Jesus showed up. He had every expectation that God still spoke to people. He had every expectation that God still spoke to people in dreams and visions and that there was a spiritual reality to our lives. And so as a little kid, I would see things or I'd have dreams or I'd have visions at night or I'd see certain things and I'd wake up in the middle of the night and instead of telling me that it wasn't real or instead of telling me that that I'm just making it up or accusing me of making it up or whatever it would be, he would listen to me. And he let me speak and he would let me let, let me say what I was needed to say and, and describe what I was seeing. And then he'd pray with me. And as a four-year-old, five-year-old kid, man, that meant a lot. Because what it told me was that there was something real and there was something I was seeing and I wasn't crazy and I wasn't making it up and it wasn't just in my fantasy world or anything else, but it was something that was real and intersecting with the physical reality of where I was. I lived my whole life growing up understanding that. And even before I really committed myself to Christ, even before I ever really had a relationship with Jesus, I would see things, I would hear things, I would be, I would have this, this interaction with the spiritual realm. All these things were just so real. And so one night when I gave my heart to Jesus, there was something real about that. Something more real than following a, a pattern or something more real than just, just following, doing something that somebody told me to do because no, nobody told me to do anything. I just really felt like it's like, this is something I, I need to do. I need Jesus in my life and I just asked him to come into my life. And those of you that heard my story, that have ever heard my story before, when I asked Jesus into my life, I was just laying by myself in my dorm room and immediately as soon as I asked Jesus into my life, I started speaking in tongues. You're not supposed to do that. I don't even know if it's allowed. I have no idea. I don't know what's allowed. I just started speaking in tongues. I'd never heard anybody speak in tongues. I didn't know what speaking in tongues was. I just started speaking a language I'd never spoken before. Because Jesus came into my life. I mean, seriously. And so I had to research, try to figure out what just happened. And I mean that. I was like, why did that just happen? 
I didn't know. I didn't know why it was happening. I didn't know what had just happened. I didn't know what was supposed to be happening. It's just, that's what happened. And so then the more I read about it, the more I looked it up, because back then we didn't really have, we didn't have the internet. You know, it, it wasn't like that. You just like, oh, let me see what happened. You know, Google didn't exist. There was no Google. No, there was barely Apple back then. And all the Apple machines were like this big. I mean, they were huge. You know, that that's what existed. And so really looking something up meant I got to go to the library. Remember the library? I don't know if you remember the library. But I had to go to the library. And then I had to check out a book. Or look at a book in the library and start reading up on stuff. And so I started reading stuff. The more I read, the more confused I got. Because everybody's like, it's this, it's that, it's not, it is, it's no, yes, what? I know what it was. All I knew is that something changed in my life that day, that night. Something changed. The next day was different than the day before. That's all I knew. And I was speaking in a language I'd never spoken before. Those are two things I knew. And so I got myself a little Bible study book. I got a Bible to look at. And I just started studying the Bible. That's all I knew what to do. And that was it. And I figured it out real quick that this guy has this opinion. That guy has that opinion. These people over here have this opinion. Those people over there have that opinion. But you know what? I just had an experience with the living God. And I'm just going to try to just read and see what God would show me. But like I said, I'd been seeing things my whole life, even up to that point. I've been experiencing spiritual things my whole life up to that point. I can tell you really weird stories about stuff that that happened and really weird stories about uh, experiences I had with people that were also spiritual people and all that. But the point I'm trying to make is that somewhere along the line, we cut ourselves off. Somewhere along the line, we cut ourselves off to a reality that God has for us to live in. And you see, little kids, they don't know any better. They just see what they see. Animals are like that, too. Like, my dog will sit and stare at nothing. Right? For no reason. He'll just sit there. I mean, he's awake. And he's just looking. And I try to get his attention or whatever. He's just staring. He's gone. What's he looking at? And Juno last week, so I was like, what's he looking at? You know, and it's kind of interesting because animals can see things that we don't see or some of us don't see. And they hear things. We, they obviously hear things we don't hear. Right. Dogs. You like you're when I was a kid, we used to have dog whistles. You know what a dog whistle is? What I'm talking about. You blow into it. You can't hear it, but they can because they hear a different frequency. All right. Well, that's a real thing. Right. Well, they hear things we don't hear. And they see things that we don't see. That's all right. Little babies, they can see things. And, and if you watch a baby long enough, every now and then, man, they'll, someone will grab their attention and they'll just stare, even if there's nothing there. But something just happened. What just happened? Something. You know. And I, you know, I'm not a babyologist or nothing, but what I'm trying to get at is that, is that, <laughs> There, there's, there is a reality around us, and, and if, if we don't cut it off, I mean, I'm kind of living proof. If you don't cut it off at some point, right, that reality, it grows in us. It, it grows in our heart. It grows in our mind. It grows in our spirit. And even without the influence of the gospel early in my life, I mean, I, I, that night I asked Jesus, and I was 19 years old. And so for 19 years, I had no influence like that, and yet... I was open to it because no one had ever cut me off from it. No one ever told me I was crazy. Well, maybe they told me I was crazy, but not for that. <laughs> and and uh, not that I shared that with everybody, but it was it was a reality of my life. And my grandfather, he he was a spiritual man. He didn't cut me off from that. My mother had enough sense not to cut me off from that. And and somehow, some way, that that grew with me as I got older and older, until a point that God began to speak to me and God began to show me things and all of a sudden it made a lot more sense than it had beforehand. It was just a reality. It was a truth. To the point that, that there's sometimes, I'll, I'll say to somebody, it's like, well, just open your eyes and see. And they're like, I can't. And I can't even, and I want to understand it so I can help. 
but I can't. I just can't. It'd be like one of your senses being cut off. It's like, well, you, well, you just smell it, right? Like, I, you know, whatever that is. You smell the orange or you smell the peppermint or you smell whatever it is. And so how do you, how do you help somebody? Well, I can't smell it. How do you help them? Right? During COVID, people lost their smell. And, and one of the things I was reading about and one of the things they were having people do is to smell strong odors like um, essential oils and stuff and to retrain themselves to smell things. And so uh, June had lost her sense of smell. And so we have all of these essential oils. We have these bags of uh, peppermint that we uh, dry and we keep them in, in uh, Ziploc bags. And so every day, at least once a day, sometimes twice a day, she'd go over and she would smell the essential oils and she would open up a bag of peppermint and smell it. Just every day. And, the, and for weeks, she couldn't smell anything. It was just like going through the motions. She'd take a big whiff of it, smell it. Nothing was happening. And then one day, one day, we were talking. She said, I think I smelled one of the oils. I'm like, you think? She's like, yeah, I think I did. I'm like, all right. But you know the big day is when she opened up that bag of peppermint and she smelled that peppermint. Right? And she's like, I can smell it. And she was so happy. I thought she was going to cry. She's like, I can smell the peppermint. But it didn't happen right away. It didn't happen. But she had to keep subjecting herself, not to weak smells, but to really strong smells. Things that are concentrated. Things that are really smell a lot. Okay? And don't get the wrong idea. It was just essential oils and peppermint. Right? And so she just kept doing it, she kept doing it, and after a while, all of a sudden, her smell began to come back to the point where it's almost back, almost normal now. And so I wonder how much correlation there could be between something like that, that sense like that. You understand, like, that's one of our senses that was lost. That if we just keep exposing ourselves and we keep exposing ourselves and we keep exposing ourselves... I wonder how much of a correlation there could be between maybe regaining a sense of smell and maybe also regaining a sense of vision, spiritual vision for our lives. But we have to keep exposing ourselves to that because that's kind of my hope when I work with people to, to help them begin to open their eyes. That when I work with people to help them begin to see things, to hear things, to experience things in the spiritual realm. It's kind of my hope that the more times you get exposed to it, the more times that you're in the midst of it, the more times that you have opportunity to see or to hear or to experience whatever it is, that one day you just might get that faint glimpse and that can grow. Or you might hear that thing that can grow, can grow or you might have that experience that, uh, where, where you, you feel something in a certain way, but that can actually grow in your life because this is important enough for verily verily you got me this is a truly truly and what jesus is saying to these guys like you will you will he doesn't say you do right now did he he didn't say you're not not right the second but you will all see and all that tells me is that this is an opportunity for every single one of us this is something that he wills and he has for every single one of us, each of us, to be able to see. You will all see. You will all have evidence that this is so. And so what do you say after that? And this is kind of interesting part because he starts moving into something here about what, kind of what I'm talking about. And he says the heavens will be opened. Now, literally, what he said there in the in the language uh, is that the he the heaven opened or is continually open, and so it wasn't just like a an open and shut. He's saying from now on, you will see that the heavens are open and they stay open. That's what you're going to see. That's what you're going to experience. Which you can read that any way you want. You can read that as Maybe the heavens were always opened. They just couldn't see it. 
Maybe this is the way that things were made from the very start, that that this reality and these realities that coexist always coexisted together. Just people couldn't see it. Only certain people could see it. You think in the Old Testament, guys that like Ezekiel, like Ezekiel could see it. He had some weird visions about wheels and and creatures and stuff. You got Isaiah, right? That Isaiah in the temple, and he saw it. It was just opened up to him, and he could see that. I wonder, like, how much of that is just open, but people, they, they don't see it. Maybe it is just open. Maybe this is really a question of, it, he says, all will see, all will see what? That heaven is continually open. It's just continually open. The psalmist, the prophet in the Old Testament, these are kind of familiar thoughts to them. Um, let's look at a couple of those. We look at a psalm. Um, 144.5, Psalm 144.5. Somebody look that up. Somebody else look at uh, Isaiah. He's a prophet. Isaiah 64.1. And you kind of see how they define this or, or how this idea is, is to them. Sometimes that's helpful. Okay, Psalm 144.5. All right, so now you think about how the psalmist is seeing that. He's saying, part the heavens and come down. Well, where's God? Everywhere. Right. But in their mind, they wanted to see the heaven open, like the skies open and, and God to come down, right? That, that's the familiar thought on it. But I want you to think about it for a second. Where's God? Well, he's right with them. He's everywhere all the time. And, and so... Is so that's a construct for people to understand. Like, I don't see him. So can you open up the sky and come on down so I can see it? Well, what if the sky is already open and what if he's already here? The issue remains they need to see it, right? That's really the issue. The issue has more to do with us, has more to do with our vision than it has to do with him actually being here. He's here. You know, same idea with Jesus. It's like, where was Jesus when he was saying this? Who, where was he? Who, who, was he talking to guys? Was he physically present when he was saying this? In John? Yeah, there was a bunch of disciples standing around. He's right in front of them, and he's talking to them. All right? Heaven is open. That's what the psalmist was looking for. Heaven's open. They just couldn't see it yet. There just wasn't the vision yet. How many people saw Jesus didn't recognize who he was? Lots. That guy could walk through a big crowd of people and people wouldn't even recognize him physically for who he was. Much less spiritually. Much less in authority. Much less in power. Much less in meeting the prophetic word that he, he just kept fulfilling. They couldn't see it. It had more to do with their sight than it had to do with the reality of the situation. Throughout the New Testament, and you look through the, the epistles, they talk about things like that, opening people's eyes to see, taking away the veil that blinds them. It causes them not to be able to experience, not to be able to see. The issue has more to do with me and you than it has to do with him. The issue has more to do with me and you than it has to do with the reality of what's going on around us. The intersection of, of heaven and, and us and all the rest of that and God and us, he's here. God was working in your life before you ever knew that. God was working in your life before you ever knew him. God was directly involved in your life. There have been supernatural beings all around you, your whole existence. Angels are around you right now. Angels were around you when you were a child. And they continue to be around you. So it, whether or not you can see that, that's that's the truth, all right, as far as what your brain can tell you. But what I'm trying to say is that we have the scriptures that proclaim that these things are so. And so you can just believe what you see, which is fine, or you can begin to believe in faith about what God says is real. And that requires your faith. And you already know, you think you see things sometimes and they're not, that's not the truth. 
right? You understand that? We put a lot of trust in our eyeballs and when we're deceived a lot of times too, right? I'd rather put my trust in God's word. I'd rather put my trust in what God says. I'd rather put my trust in the one who never lies and the one who's never wrong than even trusting my own eyesight because I know my eyesight has been faulty. And the older I get, the more faulty it is. And that's just the reality of it. I see y'all wearing glasses. Same for you too. I do. And, and so that's how it works. And but, but, oh, I'm going to trust what I see. Yeah, well, why you got glasses on then? If your eyesight was so good, would you have to wear glasses? Probably not. All right? So be careful what you're putting all your, your, your banking on. Because if you really think about what you're banking on, it may not be that trustworthy after all. It just might not be. And so our faith, our faith needs to come into play if we're really going to begin to define what's actually happening and what's really going on around us. And, and my faith tells me that God says these things are true. My faith tells me that there's angels that are encamped around those who fear him. My faith tells me that ministering spirits minister to me, and I'm not even aware of it. My faith tells me that, that there's angels looking out for me lest I dash my foot against a stone. That's what the scriptures say, and that's what my faith says is true. And so if those things are true, I've got a whole spiritual reality going on around me that I can choose to live unaware of, or I could choose to begin to, to, to like, like I was telling you, June had to do, just uh, sniff some of that sometimes, all right? And let that begin to work on us and begin to work on that sense in us that no longer works for whatever reason. I ain't blaming anybody, just saying it no longer works for some reason for a lot of us. And so because it doesn't work, we need to expose ourselves to more and more and more. Even if we're not getting anything, more, more, stronger, more. Expose yourself to that. And then one day, one day, you might actually smell the peppermint. And that's an exciting day. That is an exciting day. And so the, the other verse, Isaiah 64, 1, somebody? Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. All right, again, do you see how, okay, you got the psalmist. He kind of said that. Then you got the prophet. What did he say? About the same thing. So you're looking for a split the heavens open, come on down, and... Then we know your presence. Well, he's here. He's here. He was there then. They just couldn't see him. They just couldn't see him. You know, we weren't created that way. Think about the Garden of Eden. You know, right? They knew God was there. They knew his presence. They heard his voice. They spoke to him face to face. So that we were created that way to know him. We were created to experience him. We were created to share space with him. That's just how it was. But the, that nasty knowledge of good and evil has fooled us. It just fooled us. And there were, there's exceptions to that. Think about Moses. You know, God showed us the hinder parts to Moses. Yeah. He's up on the mountain. Everything's rumbling and and there's lightnings and flashes and everything. Uh, finger of God's carving into stone. I mean, Moses could see. And their people could see. You know, there's people that experienced, people that were able to, to have an open vision of what God was doing. But the psalmist and the prophet, they're crying out, but I don't know that they're crying out for the right thing. They may have been crying out for something that was already there. They just couldn't see it. A reality they, they longed for, a reality that they, they wanted, but they just couldn't experience it. They couldn't see it. And so Jesus, here's Jesus, and, and, and it, also important with this, it wouldn't just be Moses now that could see. It wouldn't be just the prophet. It wouldn't just be the psalmist. It, it's going to be 
all, all, all. You will all see, all of you. That's why this is so verily, verily. That's why this is so truly, truly. That's why it's so important that he, he emphasized it. And, and again, we look at this and we think to ourselves, yeah, we just skip over that part. No, there's nothing to skip over here. There's a reality to this I think we need to really get a hold of. And so he says, this is what you're going to see. Heavens are going to be continually open. Now, when the heavens are continually open, then he describes what they see. You'll see angels going to and from Jesus. And, and notice, I want you to notice the order of this. It says angels ascending and descending. Which came first? Huh? I mean, just in the, in, in the way he says it, right? Ascending. Kind of weird, right? That means they're here. They're around him already. They're around us already. Understand that. They're not like waiting somewhere to, to dive bomb us. They're, they're here already. All right. And so once your eyes are open, what you begin to see, what you notice is that they ascend and descend. In other words, they're already here. They're among us. Ascending and descending. And this is a, a, a clear, what this is, is a clear reference to Genesis chapter 28. And in Genesis chapter 28, you have the story of Jacob. And Jacob ends up in this place called Bethel. And he's resting in Bethel, and he sees something in Bethel. So let's go to Genesis 28. Genesis 28, verses 12 and 13. Yeah. So uh, this is just kind of how I'm thinking about it. But like when we think about, because they use words like seeing and hearing, uh -huh. because that's how the senses that we know. Right. But it's it's a new sense. It's a it's perceiving things differently. Sometimes I think it's like, oh, I didn't see it with my eyes, but I know something's there. Or I experienced something that they're trying to describe. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's like, it's like when you speak in tongues, you learn to just speak in tongues. Right. Like you learn to exercise your faith that way. Yeah. And so when you're exercising your faith to have this spiritual sight or hearing, it's like, it's not like oh, I heard it with my ears. Or it could be. Could be. Right. I mean, when you speak in tongues, you speak with your mouth, right? Right. right. Yeah. And you hear it with your ears. Right. So, uh, yeah, it could be, maybe not, though. Uh, it's, a, it's something we've lost, and so that's, that's really what I'm trying to emphasize. It's something we lost, and, and so you have to get it back, yeah, somehow. And so however that appears to you, whatever that seems like to you, I don't know. I can't answer that question, but I know how I see things. I know how I hear things, so, and it's not much different than the way I see things and hear things, or any different, really. So... Good question. Genesis 28, 12 and 13, somebody? So, so this is a clear reference back to, and he, the way he's describing what they're gonna, what they, they can see, was this. But Jacob saw this. Jacob is Israel, and and Jacob laying there, sleeping with his head on a rock. This is what he saw. And so, again, what was the order though? What were the angels doing? They were ascending and descending. Right. Where are they coming from? Here, all right. So, so again, that's the descriptor you have. And that's important. It's an important descriptor. And maybe you hadn't thought about that before. You hadn't really considered that before. But they're here, all right. They're among us. We're not waiting for that. And, and so Jacob was able to see. He was able to hear, understand. And God spoke to him. And God gave him a word there. He gave him a word of promise and said, this is what's going to happen. This is your future. This is who you are. This is what's going on around you. And so this clear reference is a reference to that they would all understand that this is where the presence of God is. And we just need to see it. We just need to have our eyes opened. Because just because June couldn't smell peppermint, did that mean it had no smell? No. I could smell it. 
And she asked me too. It was really funny. She's like, have you smelled the bags of peppermint lately? I'm like, no. I'm not really a sniffer, you know, like that. And she's like, could you smell the bag just to make sure? And I open it. Yep, smells like peppermint because I can smell it, right? <laughs> and so she, didn't, she only asked me once. She only asked me once. And she knew it had a smell to it. And she knew, okay, I got to get there. I got to get there. And she was faithful every day to get there. All right? Until she got a breakthrough on it. So I, I just, uh, yeah, just because you can't see it now doesn't mean it's not real. And I know this is kind of a weird teaching, and I expect you to be a little weirded out by it, but I also expect you to be a little excited about it too. <laughs> all right? Because it's something that I think we all have a cry in our heart for. I think there's a supernatural reality that we all need, that we don't really believe what we believe in an intellectual, this is not an intellectual pursuit. I mean, it is in some ways because we use our mind to do it, but that's not the end of it. That's not where, where, where the road ends is some kind of intellectual assent to something or, or some kind of intellectual knowledge of something. But this is an experiential reality that we need to have. That you look at the first disciples, they had an experiential reality that was real to them. I mean, just real. And to the point that they gave their lives for it. Now, something has to be real for you to give your life for it. I'm just saying. You got to be utterly convinced. And they were utterly convinced. They knew what they saw. They knew what they knew. They knew who they were. And they gave their lives willingly, willingly for the cause. Because it was real. It was real. And it wasn't just, you know, I'm not going to give my life uh, for the Pythagorean, uh, excuse me, the Pythagorean theorem, okay? I, I, I might know what it is and know how to use it and how to apply it. It's a mathematical theorem. But I'm not going to give my life for that. You see, but it's, it's a good one. <laughs> And intellectually, I understand how it's used and I understand the benefits of it. I've actually used it a few times building to figure out a length uh, of a piece of wood or something like that. I've actually had to use it and it was handy, but I'm not going to die for it. I'm just not. And yeah, yeah it, it's good to know, but it's not worth my life. Something that I'm going to give my life for has to be a lot bigger than that. It has, to, it has to be something that is part of me, part of my life, and is real to me. Like, that means something. And so we need this reality. It's not just, oh, that would be nice. You know, it's more than that would be nice. That should be, this is who we are. This is who our God is. And this is the relationship I'm going to have with him for all of eternity. I want to start now. I want to start when I die. I want to start in 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. I want to start I want to start now. And I want to live in his presence now. I want to know his presence now. I want to see him, I want to hear him, I want to be with him now. Now. And I think I believe we need that. We all need that. So Jesus describes himself here in this verse as the son of man, which is an interesting term because the son of man uh, really isn't a, a term used for the Messiah, a Hebrew term. Uh, you see it a couple places, you see it a couple times, but he's usually the son of God, right? Or uh, he's, you know, whatever they, they're going to use for a term for him. But the Son of Man doesn't really belong to religion, in a sense. The Son of Man is very human. It's not particular necessarily to just, you know, some descriptor, or it's not some religious descriptor, but it's very human. It's a very human understanding. And, and the reason that's important is because in verse 14 of John 1, it says that the Word, that's Jesus, but the word of God was made flesh, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So he is the Son of Man. 
He's human. And, and so that's really important because it's the true representation of humans. That's who Jesus is. He is the true representation of what God made. He's the second Adam. The first Adam, he ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The first Adam, he could see. He could see God. He heard God. He walked with God in the cool of the day. He experienced God every day. He could hear God. He could speak to God. All these things. I mean, that's how he was created. He was the first Adam. He was the, he was the creation of, of what God made. And so representative of that is Jesus, who is representative of us. He's the second Adam. And he restores, and he is restoring the way that we were originally made to hear and experience and to see and to live in the presence of God. That's what Jesus did. And so what's important from that is like, well, all, you will all see. And him describing himself as the son of man, yeah, it brings us back to original intent. It brings us back to the original human. This is what being a human is. But part of being a human is to experience that the, the interwoven nature of our spiritual and our physical presence. I think the, the age of separating those things has to be done. I just think it is. I, I think that that, that pursuit has pretty much dried itself up. And in those hundreds of years where that pursuit was going on and the strides that we made in science and the strides that we've made in all these other areas, awesome, awesome, awesome. But in and of themselves, they're not enough. It is not enough for us that there's something more. To the point, we just make stuff up. If we have nothing... All right, if we, if we don't know where it is or how to go, we just make something up. We just make it up. Like we make up some deity or we make up some something to worship or we make up something to, to, to look to as the supreme voice or whatever. Yeah, we just make it up because we need it. We need it. As, as much as we think or we want to believe we don't, we do. As much as we want to believe that, yeah, we, well, we've already outgrown all that. We didn't. You know, I watch Star Trek, right? And in Star Trek, you know, they're always trying to say, you know, back when we were primitive, we all believed in gods, but we outgrew that. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Not yet. I don't think we ever will. I think we'll destroy ourselves before we outgrow that. I think that's pretty clear, actually, that we will destroy ourselves before we outgrow our need for God. And so we need the reality of that. We need the intersection of the spirit and the physical. And so Jesus describes himself. He's like, yeah, the stairway. Yeah, my original notes in this, G, I wrote it in big letters with an exclamation point. Jesus is the stairway to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Only because I like Led Zeppelin. But what I'm trying to get, yeah. And so, and so heaven is, is, where is heaven? Well, it's here, okay? Everything that's in heaven is here. That's why it says ascend before it says descend. We're in the midst of it. It's not like something in the sky. You know, I, in all of the, I, I think sometimes some of the Renaissance paintings or some of the paintings that came out of the church didn't do us any favors because they're trying to describe things that, so that people can understand it. And so you got like little fat angels like flying around in heaven or something, cherubs or whatever. And, and they're all up in the blue sky with clouds. And so I don't think it did us any favors. Because I think that it tried to describe something that was like this partial revelation and, and maybe looking at it through the eyes of people that wouldn't know. They didn't get the truly, truly memo. Okay. They didn't get it. They didn't see that, you know, Jesus is saying, but you, were your, your eyes, all of you will see. And, and so all of those images stuck in our head, all those images in our children's Bible stuck in our head, all those images of what that is stuck in our head, hindering us from experiencing the reality of the spiritual realm among us. 
Like right here. Now. That not off in the future, not way out there, not up in the blue yonder and all that stuff. I mean, it's here and it's now. And, and to understand the revelation that God wants to bring into our lives. God is always ready, always ready to reveal. Always. But we need to have a desire. You know, as with everything, and I've mentioned this before, I had a, a pastor, he was an associate pastor of a church where I first became a Christian, and he would always use this phrase, like the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He'll always ask to be invited. And so we, we're not going to, we're not forcing anything, we're not making anything happen, God's not making anything happen, but we can invite, we can ask, we can put ourselves in a position to receive, to see, to hear, to regain what we lost. But he's not going to make it happen. And people sit around. They're like, well, okay, I'm going to pray over you now. And as I pray over you, I'm gonna, the Holy Spirit's going to fill you up. When he fills you up, you're going to speak in tongues. And they'll just sit there. It's like, well, go ahead, speak in tongues. I'm waiting for it. Waiting for what? Waiting for, and when it comes right down to it, what are they waiting for? Why people just sit there? You know? They're taking over. They're, yeah, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to make them speak in tongues. Well, that's not how it works. Nothing works that way. Nothing. Nothing. In, 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 this, in, in this whole journey of faith that we're part of, nothing works that way. Why would that work that way? Why would this work that way? This doesn't work that way either. None of it works that way. And so there has to be some kind of a desire. There has to be some kind of a pursuit. There has to be some type of invitation that, that we bring his way. And we say, all right, God, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I need. This is what I want. And ask him to do something. He's ready. He is ready. You know, the key phrase in the heaven being open is this. From the Gospel of John. And the Word was made flesh. That's the key phrase. There it was. There he is. The Word was made flesh. He beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Yet not everybody beheld his glory. Not everybody even saw him for who he was. Not everybody could see him in a crowd. People couldn't pick him out from some other guy. They didn't know. They couldn't see. And the, the key phrase of all this is, is that there he was in a physical manifestation. He's a man. People still couldn't see him. And all that does is prove to you this. All that does is speak to you this. Let this speak to your heart that the real issue isn't whether he's physical, he's not physical. The real issue isn't whether he's in the flesh or he's in the spirit. The real issue isn't whether or not your physical eyes can see it or your physical ears can hear it or not. doesn't matter. The real issue and always was the issue and always will be the issue. The key of this whole thing is your sight and your hearing. Are your eyes open or are your ears open? Because right? if he appeared in the flesh, if he appeared in a physical body and people still couldn't see him, who's got the problem? No, who really, who's got the problem? Me. I got the problem. It's me. And so I, I need to invite something new into my life. I need to ask for something new into my life. The cry of every child, the cry of every child, is for their parent. All right? It's for help, it's for comfort, it's for care, it's for peace, it's for understanding. That's our cry. And so the cry of every child is a cry for the parent. Our cry needs to be a cry for our Father. I want to see. I want to know. I want to experience. My eyes open. My ears open. I want you to restore what I lost. 
And just let that be a cry of your heart. Let that be an invitation from you. Because it's going to require an invitation. To put yourself in that position and, and to really just say, yeah, th this is what I need. This is what I want. You know, Jesus, he's, you know, as I said before, he is the representation of us humans. And in him, it's a person's a person, a man's a man, woman's a woman. We're not Jews or Greeks. We're not free, being more no noble than a bondservant. It's not man over woman. We just are. And he represents that. We just need to be able to see. So I'll take a few moments and just see what God will do. And I know he's more than willing. He's standing at the ready for this. All right. He's ready. Waiting. For the cry of your heart. And that cry is going to have to continue more than one time if you really want to receive something from him. It's going to be more than once. It's going to be more than one day. It's going to be more than one time and all that. It's going to be, in a, and maybe you can keep in mind, you know, June just going to the cabinet every day, sometimes twice a day, trying to smell stuff because she just wanted to be able to smell. Because when you, you lose a sense, you miss it. And there's a part of your spirit that is crying out because you've lost a sense, a spiritual sense, a sense that sees the interaction between the spirit and the physical. You lost it. And there's a part of you crying out, but you got to let that cry out through you. Now, the Bible talks about Abba, Father. That's the cry. That's the cry. And so I encourage you to let that come forth. And, and just stay at it. Stay at it. I'm going to go. I'm going to come back. 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 And then one day I'm going to smell this thing. You got to have that kind of hope. You got to have that kind of persistence in you. It's going to come from you. It's not going to come from anywhere else. Nobody's walking you over there every day. All right? You got to do it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for... Uh, just, I thank you for just the, the way you make us. You've made us to, to love you. You've made us to live with you. You've made us interact with you. You've made us to see. You've made us to hear. You've made us to receive. You've made us to do all these things, God, that it's all real. And it's as real as anything else. It's as real as anything we smell, anything we hear, anything we see, God. It's that real. And so I pray, God, that, that even as we begin to allow our spirit to cry out, and we do, we allow our spirit to cry out tonight. Abba, Father, it's the cry of every child. It's the cry of every son, of every daughter. It's the cry of every infant to just cry out. I need you. I need this. I, I need what you have for me. I want what you have for me. I receive what you have for me. And I'm going to keep coming back. And I'm going to keep coming back till something comes to life in me. Something just comes to life in me. And that sense has been lost. And that sense has been gone. For so long we begin to work again. And I begin to see again. And I begin to hear again. And I begin to experience again all that you have for me. We just cry out. We just cry out. We just cry out. Jesus. Jesus. Yendo <laughs> 
Just let your spirit just cry out to him. Yeah, just let it flow. Let that let your spirit just cry out. Let it, let, let your spirit just ask. Let your spirit just come before him. Let your spirit just just really seek him tonight. Not a not a pursuit of your mind. This is not a pursuit of your mind. This is a pursuit of your spirit. Yeah. Let your spirit cry out. Give room, give space. Give opportunity for your spirit to cry out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Yeah, just take a moment. Just receive. You're asking. You're crying out. Just stay open. Just stay open. Just receive of Him. Let Him pour in. Let Him speak. Let Him open up more and more. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Reality around you, the world around you, begin to see, begin to experience, begin to hear. I'm going to keep coming back, and I'm going to keep coming back, and I'm going to keep coming back until I can see or I can hear I can feel. I can know. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we invite you to do what you're going to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it. This is you and not us. This is not uh, something we control. This is not something that uh, we force. This is not something that we make happen. This is you. This is you. So, Jesus, we, we just receive. We receive what you have for us tonight. We're going to receive what you have for us tomorrow. We're going to receive what you have for us the next day. And every day we come to you, we're just going to receive of you. It's your time. It's your place. It's your purpose. It's your plan, God. But we do know this, that we all, we all shall see. All of us. Every one of us. Every one of us. So God, we give you thanks tonight for the work you've begun. I thank you that he who has begun a good work in me, in us, shall complete it, even unto the day of Christ Jesus. Yeah, we look forward. We look forward. We look forward to all that you're going to do in us, in me. Give you thanks tonight. We praise you, God. Yes, he sings in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. No, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you mm-hmm. know? He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community, like the comunidad. Yeah, so there's a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we, we homies. You know, yeah.